Hello, it's Clive Takar here, and I think we're all aware that all of us are toxically poisoned one way or another. Uh, I think it's unavoidable. You just got to breathe or drink water or eat food and you're toxically poisoned. And for, I suppose, I don't know, 20 years or so, I've been aware of the wonders of zeolite as one of the many materials you can use for, for detoxification. And first of all, I started using the powdered version, then I realized that the micronized liquid version was much, much, much more effective. And currently, uh, the version that I'm uh, promoting, suggesting that people try, is the one that Dion is going to speak about now, because her, her personal story is fascinating, and I think everybody's going to be rather interested. So Dion, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. It's Dione, actually. Oh, so Dion. Yes. Um, right. So it's it's a pretty long story um, as to how I got to that point where I needed the the detoxification. Um, I'm not sure how far back to go, but I think like many others, you know, through having a body that you know is not functioning properly, you start looking into different options and and why you at the point that you're at. Um, so through various different issues throughout the years chronic fatigue yuppie flu whatever they wanted to call it back then having food sensitivity issues etc etc i looked at different ways of trying to heal my body over the years and used ozone and things like that but this was then on a whole new level so um discovering that i had a brain tumor in 2020 um well actually it was in 2021 that they realized that that's what it was so i was going through these um sort of terrible symptoms where i had numbness in my face my my right ear went deaf and i went in to try and investigate i was sold a bit of a red herring by the the ent that i went to so still had no answers and eventually when my the right side of my face went numb, I realized that there was something quite drastic going on and I went to a neurologist. They then wanted me to go in for an MRI and it was during the peak of the virus. We won't go into details about that, but I was not keen to go into hospital at that point because I people, literally a friend of mine's mother had died, another very good friend had died. So I was, you know, not that interested in going into hospital. Eventually I had to, to cut a long story short, they did an MRI and they found that the, it was a brain tumor. Um, an acoustic neuroma, which fortunately is not, um, you know, it's not cancerous, but it was still of a size that it was pushing on the brainstem and the cerebellum. So I had major balance issues. And I was starting to get to that point where I felt like I was going to have seizures, etc. So one of the major things was that for them to see clearly the tumor and the size of the tumor, they had to use contrast dye, which as you know, is gadolinium. And at the time I asked when I had to sign the form, I said, okay, well, what is this? She said, oh, no, it's, it's fine. Just sign it. So I said, well, <laughs> what am I signing? She said, oh, no, it's just the dye that they use. It's not a problem. They use it every day, which clearly they do use it every day. But, you know, that's as far as the informed consent went. Um, I then had to recover from the dreaded virus. So I came home and I had to 
get myself well before I could go and see the neurosurgeon in the other hospital, the other local hospital. And so I took a couple of weeks and I went to see him and he showed me the MRIs and suggested that the tumor was too big to use gamma knife radiation that they'd have to operate. So in your ignorance at the time, of course, and also the fact that it was the size that it was, the symptoms were quite bad. I said, okay. And they then set up a date for the up, but being the time that it was, the up was delayed three times and was three months later, by which point I felt like I was having seizures and I literally just had to lay low and take the cortisone that they had now given me in large doses. Um, when I went into hospital for the up, I eventually... I had another MRI with contrast. I had the op, which was a six-hour neurosurgery. Um, they then did, two weeks later, did um, another MRI, again with contrast. All of these three at this point had been with contrast dye. And only to discover that they hadn't actually managed to get very much of the tumor out at all because while they were monitoring the nerves while doing the op, the nerve, the machine kept on sounding off, showing that it, I could have ended up with Bell's palsy or some, some radical nerve damage. So they, even though it was six hours, they, they stopped at that point, not having got much of it out, and I then had to recover. Um, at that point, two weeks later, after having the up, the neurosurgeon said to me, look, you know, I suggest that you go in as soon as you can and have gamma knife radiation. So I said to him, well, I thought that was an option. You know, it was either the op or the radiation. And he said, no, you know, we couldn't get it out. So you're going to have to go and have the radiation. I don't want to see you back here in a couple of years time. In other words, it's going to continue to grow. So I didn't really have an option. Um, they gave me until from the November to the February to get well. And in the February, I had to go for gamma knife radiation where they did another contrast MRI with gadolinium. And then obviously the, the, the radiation, the gamma knife radiation, which is a very intense radiation for, I think it was about an hour and a half. Um, and after that, I was left completely flat. I had no energy. I felt chronically fatigued. And I just had to lay low and recover from you know the two treatments. At that point, I still thought, okay, well, this is all just because I've gone through the dreaded virus, plus I've had the um, six-hour neurosurgery or the cortisone, the antibiotics, everything they give you in hospital, plus then the gamma, um, which is really intense. And they say, you know, you will be tired, et cetera, afterwards. It was only when I had the next MRI, because they want to do a follow-up after the gamma. So she gave me a couple of months. I said, listen, please, I've had five of these now. I need some time before having another one. I had another one, and that like, knocked me flat again. I then realized that there's something else going on here. This is not just from what I've been through, all the interventions. It's you know, possibly something else. I was trying to discover what caused the tumor so that I could mitigate going forward. Being surrounded by the panels where I live is not very helpful. Um, but during that process, I came across um, Nikki who was doing 
heavy metal detoxification at that point. And I thought, okay, well, I think this is something that could be a problem. Started researching a bit more and then eventually decided to try and see if that was part of the problem. Um, by now, I'd had six contrast MRIs. And when I had the last one, which was July last year, I came out in a rash on my ankles. I had um, extreme sort of deep, like weird headaches, almost like a hangover kind of headache at the back of the neck, food sensitivity, skin itching. I had a whole range of symptoms. I literally wrote a full scap page of symptoms. My hair had been falling out from the cortisone. Was it the cortisone? Was it that? Who knows? Um, you know, everything just compounds. So I thought, okay, even as expensive as the product is in our currency, unfortunately, our currency is, is nowhere, um, I need to actually try and do it. So I managed to get the heavy metal detoxifier, the clean slate, and I started taking it very slowly. Within four days, four days, the rash on my foot disappeared which to me was like miraculous and also something very visual that you look at and it's, you can see that that's exactly what it is. There's no, you know, there's no getting away from it. It's obvious that that was what took the rash away. Um, and then I started feeling energized. Within a week, I sort of started feeling energized. I went to see the oncologist that had done my gamma and she was amazed. She couldn't believe it, how, how well I looked. Um, and she actually sounded very interested in detoxification for her other cancer patients that are on all sorts of chemo and stuff. But I then went through a bit of a radical detox, which I think, you know, in retrospect was because of all the treatments. So I'm normally a healthy person. I eat very healthy. I don't drink much alcohol. I now drink pretty much none. Um, but I have a very healthy lifestyle. I exercise. I do all the right things. So I thought, okay, this will be a, it's just a matter of getting out the, you know, the heavy metals. Little did I know that obviously all of those things had compounded with the, the cortisone, the antibiotics, the gadolinium. I obviously had um, mercury from all the fillings, et cetera. So I went through a, a pretty much a five-week detox where the brain fog got worse, et cetera, et cetera. But I knew exactly what it was. I knew it was just a detox. I've used ozone before and other things where you go through a detox process. So I kind of just lay low and carried on doing what I could. Um, I then came out of the, the detox and I suddenly felt like I had my life back. Like my energy came back. Um, I was suddenly able to go to gym again and actually do something. Before that, when I... Just walking up the stairs, it was as though my legs just the messages weren't just they just weren't getting through. My legs would cramp. Um, and this is after a lifetime of exercise. I mean, I did two exercises, two different sports a day as a child growing up. I've carried on playing sport as an adult, I gym daily, etc. And yet I just was completely energyless, flat, etc., until I went through this detox. And I literally came out feeling like I could run a marathon. I mean, it was amazing. Um, so it was a chalk and cheese kind of change, you know. Um, so I carried on with the, the clean slates. 
and then I thought to myself, you know what, this is something that can help so many people. Part of my my whole being is being able to pay things forward, help other people. Part of my healing journey has always been, I believe, to help other people through theirs. So I kind of got a few people, other people onto Clean Slate, and I then managed to get myself the zero in because I, I thought, you know what? neurotransmitters really important after going through the whole neurosurgery and everything so I got that I found that really helped and then when I could I added another product to restore the body which is called restore and that then gave me the good stuff to put back in so once the heavy metals had been removed it was able to put the nutrition back in which my body could now absorb because it wasn't being blocked by the heavy metals and to cut a long story short, I'm now playing squash again, um, playing tournaments, playing summer league, playing, I mean, last week I went away for a tournament. I played Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There were five matches. I came back and straight into another local tournament for from Monday to Thursday, where we played two matches a day of continuous 25 minutes each, so 50 minutes continuous. And it's just been a miraculous turnaround. You know, I, I've i had supplements over the years with certain things. I know magnesium has always been a problem with me. I've needed acidophilus for food allergies and things like that. And those are the things that I've carried on having because those are the things that I feel actually help. But the other things that you that you buy over the counter, a lot of them are just, you you can't really feel any difference. And to me, if you're not feeling any difference, they're not doing anything. You know, so I rather focused on eating a healthy diet with all the leafy greens and having a bit of fruits and doing the right things. But this is a complete turnaround, like a chalk and cheese change. So you can't, you know, you can't deny the effects of it. It's just such a massive, miraculous change that you can see visually as well, skin, hair, nails, um, and it actually feels like the neurotransmitters are working again. Things are starting to, to pick up. The muscles are starting to react and respond. My brain fog is completely gone. That fati The fa general fatigue is pretty much gone. Um, yeah, I mean, that whole lift up, list of symptoms. So what I was doing, I'd written myself a list because I know how easy it is to forget as you progress. And I went through it and sort of halfway through, I was ticking, okay, that's half gone, that's half gone. And and in the end, I literally ticked the whole list off. Those symptoms are all gone. Bearing in mind that I am still taking the products and they are still helping me. You know, you never know by this stage of life what the backlog is, how much has gone into your body through the water system, through metal fillings in the teeth, whatever. Um, and then all the the things that we've done over the years that have added to that. But I just think, you know, with things being depleted as they may be coming out of the soil, not with as much nutrition as they should be, I've just, I've just carried on. And yeah, I feel incredibly good. Well, so That's absolutely brilliant. I mean, something I'd like to add, you know, in my experience over the years of helping people detoxify, if they include, um, there's a special type of liquid selenium 
if they include the essential amino acids, if they include fulvic minerals, MSM sulfur, and one or two other things, charcoal, for instance, it can help dramatically with that detoxification period. Because when I hear you have a very hard detoxification, my first thought is, well, look, either you're going too fast, better to do it slower and yeah. gently, or yeah. you're going at the right speed, but you're missing the cofactors. You know, selenium uh, is incredible for detoxification. It's probably number one. Uh, it's, as far as I know, the best thing for mercury, for example. And okay. I, used yeah. min- I used to do mineral testing for years, and it turned okay. out that pretty much everybody who had that diagnosis of fibromyalgia, which is a meaningless phrase, um, yeah. they were all low on selenium, pretty much, all of them. And so, you know, yeah. I, magnesium is my favorite go-to. Yeah, If you're getting muscle cramps, for example, yeah, 90% of the time it's going to be a magnesium deficiency that yeah. is at the root of it. And so many of the drugs, of course, knock out so many minerals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and now, in retrospect, do you know what you were deficient in or poisoned by that caused the brain tumor in the first place? So that's what I've been trying to research. Now, you know, in my history, my medical history, at 21 or so I was playing the the squash circuit and South Africa had a circuit that was part of the world circuit so it was really intense I went to Johannesburg to play and I picked up some kind of virus who knows what it was I ended up continuing to play my muscles went into spasm I herniated a disc tried to continue to play stupidly um, and I ended up with temperatures of over 42 getting flown home and I was literally flat out for six months my mom literally nursed me I was sleeping 16 hours a day they couldn't identify it they said it was similar to glandular fever they didn't have any knowledge of it they called it yuppie flu at the time oh, had you been vaccinated because I got the symptoms of glandular fever when I was at school after being vaccinated and so did most of my classmates yeah so we I was vaccinated as a baby as a child you know you go through as a toddler you go through whatever it is that you have to have. And I know that my body is really sensitive to stuff. So that would have had an impact at the time. Who knows, you know? Um, I don't think that I had had any vaccinations later on, but I really can't remember. There might have been one at school. I don't remember the extent of it later on. Yeah. But I, I do know that when I had blood tests done later like much later it showed that I had Epstein-Barr virus dormant in my system so in my mind it was probably Epstein-Barr at the time but at at that stage it was probably around about 1980 uh, 1990 say so they had no knowledge as far as I know out here necessarily not maybe not there but in South Africa they didn't they couldn't identify it the but the fact that Epstein Barr showed up later, it was that was probably what it was. But there was no treatment protocol. They said, you know, you just have to rest. They gave me Voltaren injection and Microdol was all they could do. And I literally just rested up. And yeah, the muscle, the muscle pains and, and things were intense. I literally would go to bed or sit up to eat, go back to sleep 
sit up and have some lunch, go back to sleep. Maybe in the afternoon, wake up, have an hour or so, chat, have some dinner, go back to sleep. It was that bad. My mom literally nursed me. And um, ironically, I have quite a few friends who've been through similar things over the years. Um, but it's never really been identified exactly what it was. The fact that I had this huge now hectic detox, it could have been, you know, other things that had built up over the years, including that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, um, liquid zeolite, without doubt, will strip everything that might you might have had 20 years ago. I mean, the whole lot well, will come yeah. up, which is why taking maybe, I think, is, is, is a good idea. But you see, yeah. I mean, you mentioned Epstein, Epstein-Barr as a virus. I don't see it as a virus. I think maybe they can detect something in the blood, but what they're really detecting, if you like, is the body's inability to repair itself. And yeah. what they're yeah. looking at, things like exosomes and other, other things which they yeah. misidentify. But at the end of the day, you know, there are only three things that make any of us ill in the first place. Physical damage, emotional uh, and toxicity, oh, you know, real toxic whatever happens to us, yeah. and, and deficiency of nutrients. I mean, there isn't a fourth reason. Yeah. What, what happened to me almost 40 years ago is I took an antibiotic for something really stupid and um, ended up in hospital, unable to get dressed, unable to walk. And after weeks and weeks in hospital, they said, well, there's nothing that can be done. Absolutely nothing that can be done. They said, well, you've got arthritis. You, they gave me names as to what was wrong with me. But yeah. all it was, because that was 40 years ago and now I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, all it was was poisoning and a, a nutrient deficiency. But 99% of it for me, well, I mean, yeah. it, no, it was both. It was the poisoning from the antibiotic and uh, nutrient deficiency because the antibiotic had wiped out the gut flora. And exactly. I could digest food yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, doctors believe that what happened to you or happened to me is irreversible, you know. Once yeah. Happens, yeah. It's and absolute rubbish. Yeah, I guess, you know, their training just doesn't cover it. And when I mentioned to my doctor now, since that, you know, I'd had this heavy metal detoxifier, he absolutely just, it was like he hadn't heard it at all. And I just thought, you know, he's a lovely doctor and he's great for structural things, but the problem is people are going to him for healing and he just doesn't understand that or know that because they haven't been trained on it. It's, it's, um, yeah, you know, know about the system, you know. Um, but I didn't, sorry, I didn't answer your question about, about the tumor. So when I was walked around the hospital by the physio in the hospital, literally they want you up the next day and you're walking around with this massive gash in the head um the physio said to me that in the previous six months from when i was there the increase of brain tumors that had increased seven times in six months now that was exactly when all of the 5g panels went up and where i live there's a block of, I've got a, a comp, I'm in a complex, I've got a complex next to me, and the next is a block of flats, the only one sort of up in our area. And it's got like eight masts on it, massive that are three or four times the height of a man, because I see the little workers up there look very tiny compared. Um, and if I go down, I'm, I'm three blocks from the beach, I look straight over the bay. And if I go down the road, 
there's a block of flats just down at the beachfront, which has another whole lot. And then three blocks down from that, there's another whole lot. So ironically or weirdly, my neighbor who shares a common wall has got exactly the same tumor that I have. It's a, an acoustic neuroma. You know, so what are the chances of, of that? Um, you know, it's almost mathematically impossible for us to have exactly the same tumor when we live against a common wall. It's got to be a common something that is that is causing that for both of us. Maybe because, it's to distribute leaflets around the neighborhood asking people, has this happened yeah. to you or somebody you know? Yeah, I would I would like to do that. There's actually a group for our area, WhatsApp group that I would like to also put it out on if I can. Um, to be honest, initially I was just too exhausted and feeling too terrible to even worry about it. But now that I'm feeling well and knowing that they have put these onto the local school grounds, etc., and between the schools and the care homes, it's something that really needs to be done um, for people to become aware because the research is now out there for everybody. It's not like it's any secret, even though they, you know, they're trying to attribute it to other things. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty commonsensical right now. So yeah, that is something that I need to do. I haven't got around to it yet, but um, I definitely need to do that. Um, and I need to make a plan for myself to not be in the space which I love, but I'm obviously it's not good for my health. Well, you've got a choice of moving or chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's on the top of about a 20 or 14 story building. So the chainsaw is not going to be an easy option, but there must be there must be a way without having to move. But yeah, I mean, I, I have thought about the option of moving. Yes, I mean, it's that or trying to persuade the council to yeah. the reason that they're usually in the pocket of the bad guys and are unlikely to listen to anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think our local councillor might actually be open to it because I did notice the last time they wanted to put a mask up that was um, in the next little sort of suburb down, they, they actually put a notification on the group to say, does anybody, um, you know, object? If there were objections, then they would have to look into it. So, you know, the fact that they didn't do that before means that they should have done it. They'll want to cover their backs from an insurance perspective. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. what would be interesting is to ask everybody not only that question, but also has your internet or phone performance improved with these wonderful yeah. new technologies? Because nobody notices the difference. Exactly. And I had this exact conversation last night um, because I watched a three-hour expose um, by Children's Health Defense that was like a, a TV. They have a TV, a daily or a weekly program that they have. And it was professors from around the world who had actually done the research, pulled all the research together, etc. And and they had all the data proving. And it was acoustic neuromas and, and neuroblasphomas were the most common tumors. But the stats were ridiculously um, strong. You know, you couldn't deny it. There were maybe three studies against and 30 studies for the fact that that was, that it had been proven. And one of the schools turned down the, in, the intensive, they, they, 
made it less intense. So in other words, they brought it down to 1G or 2G and they had exactly the same connectivity within the school, but the children weren't getting affected. So, you know, it can be done. Well, exactly. And um, by the way, do you know a hundred years ago what they would have done with a tumor like yours in a hospital? Uh, no, not sure. I probably just would have been left. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't have been like that at all. <clears throat> Prior to the Second World War, I mean, let's say you had a tumor here in London, in, in, in London, England, right? Yeah. At Guy's Hospital, you know, a very famous hospital, they started their electrotherapy department in 1843. Wow. And if you wind forward another 60 years or so, I don't know if there's enough light for you to see this. This is a hospital machine. Is there enough light for you to see that? Yeah, I can see that clearly, yeah. Yeah, so ah. uh, uh, every major hospital would have had these. Um, up until the Second World War, there were hydrotherapy spas all over England, you know, very famous spas often built by the Romans and so on. Yeah. And, uh, these hydros offered cures using water. I mean, for instance, in Bath, there is the Royal Mineral Water Hospital. It's massive. I mean, it's shut oh, now, wow. it's been turned into a hotel or something, but um, this sort of electrotherapy was normal all across the country. Dentists would use them yeah. because you can do all sorts of dental work with less pain and so on. But mm. um, uh, the, the first, well, I used to work with a medical doctor some 20 years ago, and he was the first person who introduced me to these devices and encouraged me to track one down on the second-hand market and buy one. And um, so the very first person that uh, had a tumour, it was a glioblastoma, and this guy had been given, you know, three, four days, maybe make a week to live. And we used the old machine on his brain, right? We shaved yeah. it. He had a cleaner yeah. who came in every day. We taught the cleaner how to use the machine. It took five minutes to teach the cleaner. And the cleaner used it on his head um, for one hour twice a day. Uh, not that long later, clean bill of health. And, you know, I've, I've got a bundle of books behind me, old textbooks from back in the day, explaining oh, yeah? exactly how they did it. And so these machines were invented by Nikola Tesla in the 1880s, and he showed them to the public and gave away exactly how to build them in 1881. Yeah. Wow. And so these have been around for a long time, and that machine would have been built in the 1920s. So they'd already had 30 years of experience. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and, uh, and of course, the problem was that, yes, the machines are very expensive to build, but once you've got them, I mean, my one's 100, 100 whatever years old, it's, it's when we took it apart to see what it needed you know, in way of restoration, there was, yeah. nothing, there was nothing it needed doing. I mean, That's it, amazing. You know, it had a real life that was made to be the best machine in the world at that time. And, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, but obviously, the power of the media, they managed to persuade everybody that a pill was better than granddad's old-fashioned rubbish, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I remember going back some years, um, having treatment with, with a Rife machine. Yeah. You know, and, and the, same, the same thing happened with the Rife machine. 
Yes, they, well, well, exactly. And not many people know discredited, chased out the country. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, I definitely think, you know, if you can supercharge the body with what you need, I've been using ozone for years. Um, I've got an ozone spa that I put in the bath. Um, obviously, it's not been able to sort out the tumor, but it's done a whole lot of other things. That was when I had that chronic fatigue before and they said it was whatever it was. Um, that was what helped me to heal my body then was using ozone. So, you know, I think those the natural therapies have got so much value. But people have been conned into believing that, you know, there's a pill for everything. And unfortunately, the pills just make it worse. Um, oh. Having both my parents to cancer, I've seen exactly how it works. Um, and it's just really sad because I have friends now that have gone in for treatment for something or other. One for melanoma, somebody else for, for swollen glands. The first thing they did was take their glands out. So and the I first said, thing they did was to what? Take a what? Take their lymph nodes out. No, yeah, I mean, it, anybody who goes to a doctor expecting health is going to the wrong shop because they don't study health, they study drugs, radiation, yeah. poison. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. People don't understand that they don't know about health. Yeah. yeah. They're taught, well, your body's gone wrong. And it's really awful. sad. Yeah. And it's really sad because these are people that you know, through no fault of their own. It's just ignorance that they've gone and done what they've been told is the right thing. And even now, the one person hasn't had their glands taken out yet. And I spoke to their wife and I was like, please just try and get them to get a second opinion. You know, they, they need those. They need those. Yeah, I mean, uh, go to somebody yeah. who's not medical. Go to somebody uh, who has been for decades, hopefully, uh, reversing cancer, reversing whatever it is, because our yeah. bodies are self-repairing. Doctors don't know that. Our bodies are self-repairing. Yeah. All you've got to do is exactly. get the toxins out, yeah. put the good stuff in. Yeah, give them and what they need yeah. and they'll heal themselves. Yeah. But, you know, if, if somebody... You know, how, how would if, if I wanted to prevent cancer in myself, for instance, what would I make sure I was doing? I mean, making sure I was getting uh, sunshine all the year round, or vitamin D in winter, yeah. if there wasn't any sunshine. I'd be taking vitamin C, uh, or at the very least, you know, squeezing a fresh lemon or lime every day or something, but getting yeah. vitamin C. Personally, I do both. I supplement and, you know, try to eat my way to vitamin C, but it's almost impossible yeah. these days to get fresh food, not really fresh. And deteriorate, yeah. you know, with heat and time and stuff. Uh, magnesium, I, for me, uh, if I don't take magnesium every day, uh, I get muscle cramps, um, you know, yeah. all, all the usual magnesium issues. So magnesium is yes. for me personally. Uh, selenium, um, I mean, there are a few others I could mention, but well, iodine, iodine is crucial to keep tumors at bay. You know, same for cysts, fibroids, yeah. Our thyroid problems are, are almost always an iodine deficiency at the end of the day. Iodine and selenium is thi the thyroid answer. So so what I didn't go into detail about, and is actually one of the main things when I started taking the heavy metal detoxifier, was my my throat, my glands were so swollen 
that it was like I when I lay on my side, I felt like I was choking. Wow. And my levels of parathyroid hormone in the blood were so high in calcium that they wanted to remove the parathyroid glands. Fortunately, they then discovered the tumor and they forgot all about that and they focused on the tumor. But I would have been one of those people who was straight in glands removed, etc. And within four days, along with the rash on my foot disappearing, the glands went down. And the associated um, panic attacks and anxiety that I had because of it went away. Four yeah. days. Yeah. I mean, so, it, it, you know, liquid zeolite really is a magical product. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, the 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 iodine, and I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to put things into perspective as well. I lived for a year in Japan, and. Um, when I was there, obviously you eat, well, I did. I ate very much what the Japanese eat. And within a year, I lost 10 kgs without trying at all. You do walk a lot, but I think it's also the diet. And, and bearing in mind that they have a lot of fish and they have a lot of seaweed, you know, I'm sort of starting to think maybe that's part of why it sorted out the thyroid and the metabolic function because of well, the iodine and whatever else that would have been in that diet. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in the Japanese language, they have no word for menopause. Amazing, amazing. No, they don't supplement with iodine, obviously. They're getting it all, as you say, from fish and seaweed. It, you know, yeah. And how much does iodine cost a supplement with for a year? Well, uh, $25 US, £25. Amazing. £25. Yeah. I mean, you know, for a year. And, you know, they used to sell it in England here here in the pharmacies and the chemists. Used to be able to buy it for £1 a bottle. Wow. Then people started waking up to the fact that all your hormones are governed by, by uh, iodine. So everybody yeah. with hormonal problems, the first thing to think about is iodine and selenium. And yeah. that reminds me, I had a woman some time ago who'd had period pain so bad that for like a week, a week, a month, she was off, you know, out. Oh my gosh. In yeah. one day, when she discovered high-dose magnesium, she never had a problem ever again in that day. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. I recommend high doses of magnesium, much higher than most people. Um, um, what sort of level? Well, uh, I recommend a couple of different types, but the one I take myself is a blend of bisglycinate, malate, taurinate, and citrate. And that oh, blend yeah. works really well. So I take, generally speaking, something like six a day. And they're, they're big wow. ones. Right. Yeah, but yeah. I've had people who were suicidal, had people desperate pain, and I suggested twelve a day. You know, sure, if they're big, yeah, why not try fifteen? Right, you don't want to do yeah. that forever, and you want to take them in separate doses because you take too much. Yeah, yeah, you get diarrhea. But yeah. uh, most people notice uh, magnesium in a day. You know, people's sometimes yeah. headaches stop, migraines stop, epilepsy stops constipation stops, the heart arrhythmia stops, muscle cramps yeah. stop, restless legs stops. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's unreal. 
So when I, at one point, um, I was going through another dip in health when I was having major work stress. Um, and they did blood tests to see what was wrong. And the one thing that they that they said was I was magnesium deficient, like really magnesium deficient. This is going back, okay. you know, maybe 15, 20 years. So the really, let me interrupt you for a second. Yeah, no. The interesting thing is that blood tests for magnesium are next to useless. So if it actually showed up that you were deficient in your blood, then in your cells, you would have been very deficient. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yes. And it was stress. But yeah, so stress depletes magnesium. Yeah. You are. And so, because all of us are stressed, yeah, all of us exactly. need magnesium. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, and even, even more so if you have a death in the family or you've got work stress or something else that's, that's a really huge stressor, it's obviously going to be even worse. Yeah, any type of stress, EMFs, 5G, anything, yeah. any type yeah. of stress depletes magnesium so all of us are bombarded with stress exactly and uh, so that's why in my opinion it's number one if i could only recommend one supplement it would be magnesium and the right type the problem is you know like you go into the supermarket everything they sell there is basically poison i hate to say yeah. that i'm sure there are some yeah. good things but pretty much all of it will do you more harm than good it, it yeah. synthetic versions rather than natural ones. Yeah, we are lucky in that there's a very good um uh health or it's it's a health shop but they they manufacture locally and it's um the person who's put the products together is a what do you call them a homeopathic pharmacist right. um and their products are good that is the magnesium that i take it's called magnesium remineralized so it's got some of the minerals in it and it's it's magnesium glycomate yeah, yeah. glycinate is just fine however the reason i prefer a blend is mm. that each type of magnesium salt has its own slightly different characteristics yeah so, uh, the mistake that most people make is taking oxide magnesium oxide which is just awful or they take oh. magnesium citrate now, I've got magnesium citrate in my blend, about 25%. Yeah. But if people take the amounts that I'm suggesting of pure citrate, they'll be in the bathroom with diarrhea way before uh, the symptoms get fixed. Yeah, yeah. But uh, glycinate that you're taking, or bisglycinate, uh, really, is, is, I would say, is number one. If you could only choose one, that would be it. For some people with neurological issues, some prefer one called L3 and 8. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I find this one works really well. So I've stuck to it. And if I haven't been able to get it and I've got something else, it hasn't worked as well. So I've just gone back to that same one. But I think what I've done is I haven't had enough. So it says take one morning and evening, and I've been taking one in the evening, sometimes one in the morning, but I need to have more. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not touching the sides with one. This is the mistake that almost everybody makes. They read the label. And assume, well, oh, it might be dangerous if I took more. You know, nobody yeah. ever died from a vitamin, apparently. Nobody ever has died yeah. from a vitamin overdose. Minerals, yes, you can get it wrong, clearly. But uh, magnesium is pretty much self-regulating because, you know, out it comes if you take too much. So. Yeah, yeah. And your body will tell you. You'll feel the difference as well you know, when you do take enough. You can feel the difference in your 
in everything, you know, just the, the stiffness of the joints, the, the muscles, the reactivity of your muscles and everything just feels so much better um, with the magnesium sleeping patterns, etc. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's amazing. You know, if only everybody knew. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, if it came out as a drug, it would automatically sell out worldwide forever if people really you know yeah yeah unfortunately people have just been conned over the years you know but there are more and more people that are starting to think natural and are starting to realize that hey hang on you know that the pharmaceutical is is causing other side effects and they then need other things to help that etc etc so people are starting to look more to nutraceuticals thankfully than just pharmaceuticals well, I agree. I mean, I'm actually very positive right now because of all the changes that are going on in the world. People really are waking up and realize that they individually need to do something. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my feeling is that um, what would be rather good would be instead of people going on strike or, or going on a march, which is inconvenient for everybody, it would yeah. be better to as a group of people who decide, you know, this is the next action I would like to focus my attention on, to actually meet the neighbors and go outside, knock on the doors of people you probably don't know who live in your street or your village or whatever it is. And yeah. say, oh, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. I'm not from a political party. I was going to go on a march today, but I thought it would be much nicer to meet you and yeah. find who you are and tell you uh, why I felt so motivated to spend my whole day um you know have you got time you know, now yeah. and actually if a million people instead of going on a march knocked on their neighbor's doors it might be dramatic yeah yeah especially yeah. if their neighbor then got inspired and went down the pub or something and told 10 more people yeah you know exactly. one could actually get a message around the world that the media doesn't want you to hear in a day yeah yeah. Just not going to hear about the march probably and it's a knock-on effect and and it's exponential you know because that one person will tell two who will tell four etc etc so it does yeah i mean this was a conversation that i had last night which was very interesting um it just so happened that the person i was chatting to or one of the people uh, was a did some sort of environmental impact studies um, and was well aware of the effect of, of EMFs and stuff. And it was so refreshing to speak to somebody who wasn't trying to shout me down, who was well aware and interested in hearing what the actual effects were because, you know, they knew it, but hadn't actually had firsthand knowledge of somebody who had, had experienced the, the direct effect. But there again, you know, that'll, that will become part of her story going forward well fantastic it's been great speaking to you and Thank great you. to hear your story and for people who are interested uh, you know on, on my website uh, .com, uh you can see all the products we've been talking about um i've got this thing called the secret health club has my colleague signed you up to that no okay so I got taken down off YouTube by the British government in 2014. Uh, yeah. So 10 years ago. Yeah. And um, at that point, 
I decided that the information that I wanted to give share with people should be available. So as YouTube shut me down, I started a club which I called secrethealthclub.com. Secret Health Club. Okay, and yeah. it, over the last 10 years, it's grown now into a sort of repository of what I think are the key bits of information. You know, they're not hundreds of videos on each subject. There's maybe, you know, six or 10 or whatever that yeah. are what I, what I think are really focused on. You know, you've got this tumor. Okay, read this. You know, hear your yeah. story, for example. Yeah, so um, people are aware. Yeah. 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 yeah so that's amazing. I'm sorry, say it again. I said that's amazing that people can go there and get the information that they need. Yeah. Uh, because I have to employ staff, I charge people to join it. However, if people can't afford it, they can just email me, Clive at Clive and say, like, I can't afford whatever it is, but I can afford whatever. Uh, otherwise, if you yeah. can't afford anything at all, I'll sign you up for free. So. Yeah, because I, I believe information should be free at the end of the day. Yeah. At the same time, you know, I've got to eat all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So well, one one last thing I'd like to mention while you're on is, um, you know, I used to use the big Tesla devices from the hospitals, but now, now I use uh, the ones that doctors and people, dentists and people at home use. And okay, yeah. interested in them. Uh, I restore them and sell them so people can get in touch with me if they want a fully restored uh, piece of incredibleness. I've got a video uh, on the Secret Health Club uh, where I got 34 people out of pain in a row in less than five minutes. Amazing. 34 in a row with a 100-year-old piece of kit. I wish you were in South Africa. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> well, somewhere I've always wanted to come. It's, um, it seems to be slightly more risky than it was years ago so. yeah i think in certain ways yes but actually in other ways no not really i think a lot of the stuff is sensationalized there are things that go on there are attacks whatever but largely you know if you know where to go and you don't you're not silly going around at night and you're not walking with a camera hanging around your neck you're going to be absolutely fine local knowledge helps where shouldn't i go don't go down into the, you know, the taxi rank and you'll be fine kind of thing, you know. I mean, I went down yesterday. It was a beautiful day. I went down and I walked on the beach on my own. Beautiful miles of white sand beach. No problem at all, you know. So I think what gets shown, and I know because I lived in the UK for three years, what gets shown on TV there and what happens here are two very different stories. Okay. Um, and again, it's what people want you to see you know what you get shown yeah. so um if, if people are wise and you have to be wise wherever you travel in the world you know um and get local knowledge then it's actually safe it's fine good good yeah. which yeah. part are you i'm in port elizabeth which is on the east coast sort of halfway between durban and cape town yeah. i'm from durban um but i love it down here it's peaceful beautiful beaches it's it's quieter so durban's very busy cape town's exceptionally busy um but beautiful durban is not the greatest at the moment but um i still think it's south africa's a beautiful place to live i've traveled around the world to many many countries and i've yet to find somewhere that is as awesome as home 
I mean, of course, it'll always be home. And I love Japan. I love Thailand. I love many countries. Ireland's one of my favorites. But home will always be home. And, and it's a beautiful place. And I would recommend anybody from anywhere in the world to visit because it's a stunning country and it has so much to offer that you won't find anywhere else. Um, the diversity is massive. But, um, you know, just wherever you go, get local knowledge and, and do it and enjoy it because life's too short to be stuck in a box because we're too afraid to do things. Well, quite. So if you're going to tell somebody who'd never been to South Africa before, where would be a good place to fly into and then where to go from there? Where, where would you say? Um, okay, that's quite a tricky one because there's so many different things. It depends what somebody enjoys. I would definitely say you want to go and see the game parks. So the big five is what everybody wants to see. For that, you would need to fly to Joburg and go to, you could even fly, but drive out to Kruger Park is amazing. You've got the big five. You've got all the wild animals there. If you are happy to see what we have locally, it's maybe fewer of the, the rhinos and that kind of thing. I mean, we've got Addo Elephant Park. It's half an hour drive from our front door. And it's beautiful. There's there's millions of elephants. There's the odd lion, hyena, et cetera, et cetera, other things. Not hyena, sorry, um, jackal. So it depends what somebody wants to see. Durban, if you go inland, you'll, you'll end up in the Berg, which is beautiful mountainous area, green as anything, stunning waterfalls and, and climbs, you know, hikes and things to do. And then from Port Elizabeth to Cape Town, where I, where I live now, we, there's something called the garden routes. And you can drive from Port Elizabeth, Port Elizabeth to Cape Town. There's beautiful things to see along the way, stunning coastline, um indigenous forests lots to see and then down towards the cave you've got again beautiful beaches wine farms mountains there's there's loads to see yeah. you know it's, it depends how much time you have really but to come and and do a week is not going to cut it you're going to need you know three weeks to a month to really have a good experience yeah. and coming with the pound or the dollar you would have a fantastic time because it's relatively reasonable to eat out and to have a drink here or there or to do things is, is actually very cheap if you compare it to you know doing stuff in Europe or in the UK or, or even the States for that matter now it's more on a par with with parts of Southeast Asia cost-wise. Well fantastic so thank you Gioni thank you so much for sharing your story and I'm so pleased you're well and uh, I wish you all the best for the future and thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, thanks for everything that I've learned from you as well. And, and good luck with your journey going forward. And I hope to see you in South Africa one day. That would be lovely. All right. All the best. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.